Right, so just real quick, okay? So what have we seen? Hezekiah has come to be king. He's overturned all that his father Ahaz has done and now reinstituted worship in the temple. We saw last week how they prepared and took of the Passover as we prepared and took of the Lord's Supper. And then this morning, uh, we saw this morning the aftermath of taking of the Lord's Supper and how they went through all the city in verse 1 of chapter 31, all the cities, northern kingdom and southern kingdom, and began to purge all the idolatrous things that they had given themselves for years, but now cleansed, now changed, they began to destroy, utterly destroy, the Bible says, all of those idolatrous things. Now, when you come to the, the rest of chapter 31, you say, preacher, you're skipping a bunch. Well, I am, but there's a reason for that. What happens in the rest of chapter 31 is, is the priest and Hezekiah institutes two things. He institutes the tithe again because Israel hasn't tithed in a long time because the temple had been shut up by Ahaz. But then you find that he sets in order the priesthood. Now you say, what do you mean sets in order the priesthood? Well, the priesthood came in orders. In other words, use a modern-day vernacular, shifts. There would be priests that would serve for a period of time and then another group of priests would come on and serve for another period of time. Now, why is that important? Because now the worship that's going on in the temple was not a one-time thing, i.e. the Passover. Now it would be a continuous thing that would take place in the temple of God. And then we get to chapter 32, and everything changes. Have you ever found in your life that when you think everything's going good, It's like you just get blindsided. A lot of times people will go through a time of yielding, surrendering themselves, allowing the Lord to cleanse them, purge out of them anything that shouldn't be there. And I've had people after people come to me over the years and say, Preacher, it seems like the more I surrender to the Lord, the harder my life gets. Well, can I tell you that's exactly what happened to Hezekiah? and to Israel. Stand with me if you would in reverence to the reading of God's Word. Look at chapter 32 in verse number 1. After these things and the establishment thereof, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered into Judah and encamped against the fenced cities and thought to win them for himself. Now, I'm going to stop there. You say, why? Because after verse 1, another event happens that's found in 2 Kings. So let's stop there, and then we'll deal with these events. Father, I just pray. And Father, you would use this message to help us tonight, encourage us tonight. Father, we would see tonight the, the glorious provision that you make for us in these difficult times of our life. But Father, we'd also see the futility of responding in the flesh to these very times. Because there's a tendency about us, Father, that we try to create a way 
out of our circumstances. Instead of just letting you be you in the midst of them. But Father, even those times that we do that, you're still faithful, you're still sufficient, and you show yourself mighty all the time. So Lord, I pray that you would use us in our lives tonight in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen. You may be seated. Well, they've just come off of great revival. I mean, many of the northern kingdom, almost all of the southern kingdom, Judah, has now come to a place of repentance, come to a place of revival, come to a place of giving themselves to the things of God, have been purging all the cities in the northern and southern kingdom of all the idolatrous things, and everything is just, it's influencing their lives, it's influencing their communities, it's influencing their families, it's influencing every aspect of their life, and then something changes. You say, what changed? Well, what we find in verse 1 is the assault of forces. How many agree today that when you and I are walking in the spiritual intimacy or in surrender to the Lord, all hell will open up against you? Satan won't take that laying down. And what took place here was, in, in, and it says right here, notice the moment of the attack. It says, after these things in the establishment thereof. Now the word establishment doesn't mean just to set in place. The word establishment simply means in the absolute over-the-top revival that took place. It's a word we get the word faithful from. In other words, as God showed himself faithful and mighty, in other words, in the midst of God showing himself mighty and faithful, the enemy came against Israel. You know, I don't know about you, but uh, <laughs> it, it does seem like there's many times in your life when you're walking in, in intimacy with the Lord, it seems like those are the times you have the greatest struggles. And can I tell you today, don't let that get you down. Because God uses it in your life. And he'll use it in other people's lives. And what you're going to find here is he's going to use it in Hezekiah's life because he's going to remind Hezekiah of some things that Hezekiah needs to be reminded of. But he's going to use it in the children of Israel's life. You see, there's never a good moment for attacks. But when everything seems to be, wow. How many agree? That's when you really get blindsided by them. And that's exactly what took place. So the king of Assyria, he mobilizes all his forces and he comes against the, Judah and he comes against the southern kingdom and as he comes against the southern kingdom, the Bible says that he comes against them with great force. Notice what it says, and he took the fence cities. You see, the moment of the attack was one thing. But can I tell you, the manner of the attack was something else. It's one thing to be attacked. It's one thing to be onslaughted. 
I mean, listen, if, if you were of Israel that day, and you would have, if you would have known anything about Assyria and the people of Assyria and the army of Assyria, you would have saw what would have took place. And here's what took place. They began to go in and take all the fence cities that were, the fence cities means the most fortified cities, but yet they had not come to Jerusalem. They hadn't taken Jerusalem yet, but yet they had taken many of the fence cities around Jerusalem, and as Israel was looking at it, they were looking at it, and Hezekiah was looking at it, from this standpoint, we have no chance whatsoever. They're far outnumbered than we. They're far more mobilized than we. They've already taken many of our cities. And, and we really, we have no chance whatsoever. You ever been there? I mean, you look at your circumstances and you say, God, I, I just don't know how it's going to work out. I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, this is exactly what's taking place in, in verse number 1. It says, And they encamped against the fence cities and fought to win them for himself. And we find out in 2 Kings that they took many of those. And then the king of Assyria set his sights on Jerusalem itself. You know one thing about the enemy? Can I tell you this? He will not stop. But God can stop him. And so this is the attack of the forces. Now, your attack and my attack are spiritual in their realm. And you say, well, wait a minute, I got physical people coming against me. Well, can I tell you, those are spiritual attacks, not physical attacks. The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in high places. So even when individuals come against you, it's not a physical attack, it's a spiritual attack. That's right. And so the issue is not, are there going to be attacks? The issue is, how are we going to respond to the attacks? Because I want you to understand something. It don't matter how much righteousness we walk in. The Bible says this, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Jesus said it this way in John's Gospel. He said, in this world, you shall have tribulations. Boy, isn't that a promise that's not found in the promise books that we get? But can I tell you, it's just as much of a promise as I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But what do you go on to say? But remember, I have overcome the world. So if you're not going through it, hang on. You say, well, preacher, that you said this was going to be an encouraging message. Well, it really is. Because when you go through a time like that, it just gives God time and space to manifest and magnify himself. And if you understand the book of James and you understand some of the other New Testament books, you understand that in times of tribulation, God grows you. And God helps you to grow, not only in faith, but in understanding of him and the sufficiency of him. And so what we find here is the attack of the forces, the moment, in the moment of revival, the manner in great, great, great affliction. The measure of this attack was so deep that they really and truly, in and of their flesh, couldn't see any way out. Well, 
Now, when we come to the end of verse 1, something takes place that's not given to us in 2 Chronicles, but it's given to us in 2 Kings. So if you'd flip over, if you would, or flip back, I should say, to 2 Kings chapter 18, let me show you what takes place. It's what I call the allegiance of the flesh. Now, remember what I said. It's not a matter of if you're going to be attacked. It's the matter of how you're going to respond to those attacks. And can I tell you, Hezekiah, after, after seeing God do all that Hezekiah has seen God do, restore worship, cleanse the temple, cleanse the priesthood, cleanse many of the people, after all that took of the Passover, all the things, people going out on their own accord without being prompted, without being prodded, pulling out all the idols out of the cities and, and pulling them out so they wouldn't be tempted to go back to them. And all these things, revival, revival, revival. And yet Hezekiah panicked when he was attacked. You know, one of the things I love about the Word of God, that God not only gives us the glorious things, but sometimes he'll show us the failures. You say, why? So we can learn from them. So what in the world did Hezekiah do? Oh, you ain't going to believe it. Because in his flesh, he aligned himself, or tried to, with the king of Assyria to get out of trouble. What was the one sin that, caught, that got Ahaz and got Israel into idolatry? Ahaz aligned himself with the king of Assyria. Hezekiah is going to try to go down the same pathway, but here's the reality. God don't let it happen. I want you to listen to what I'm about to say before I get into this, okay? Sometimes God will let you go down the pathway of the flesh just to show you that it's not profitable to you, but yet in all, all that time, God's behind the scenes working in another way that when you realize it's not profitable to you, God's ready to work. It's one of the great things God does in his grace. I mean, watch this with me. Watch what Hezekiah done here. And I'm just going to walk through this real quick with you. Uh, the, the alliance of, of the flesh. The first thing is the sinful proclamation of the king. Watch what he says in, in 2 Kings 18, verse 13. Now in the 14th year of the king Hezekiah, did Sennacherib, uh, king of Assyria, come against the fenced cities of Judah and took them. That's exactly what we read in verse 1 of 2 Chronicles. And it says in Hezekiah... King of Judah, notice the and connects you back, and Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria of Lachish, saying, I have offended. What is he saying there? He sends a something to the king of Assyria, and he said, I've, the word offended is a Hebrew word. We get sin. He said, I have sinned against you, king of Assyria. You say, well, what did he do? Well, remember when we studied Hezekiah at the beginning of his reign? What did it say? He revolted or rebelled against the king of Assyria. And you remember I told you if there's ever a time to rebel, that's the time. And now Hezekiah, now in panic of his flesh, now wondering, I can't lose all this. I can't bring Israel to a place of defeat. And he sends something to the king of Assyria, and he said, listen, I'm sorry I rebelled against you. I'm sorry I sinned against you. You ever tried to manipulate your situation? To make it easier? It's tough, isn't it? But not only do we see the sinful proclamation of the king, but the sinful plea of the king. 
Look what it goes on to say. And the king of Assyria, well, he says here, return from me. What does that mean? He pleaded with the king of Assyria, return from me means this, please stop coming against us. And you say, well, well, what's wrong with that? He's asking the king to please stop coming against them. There's nothing wrong with that, is there? Oh, yeah, there is. You say, why is that? Because he never asked God to help. Instead of going to the Lord, he went to the king of Assyria. And he pleaded with him, please, please, please. Please stop. Or I'll go tell my daddy. I'm just kidding. Y'all remember as little kids, y'all say amen. I mean, listen. So there was a sinful proclamation. I've sinned against you. There was a sinful plea. Please stop. Please stop. Never going to the Lord here. But notice nextly, the sinful plan of the king. Now watch this. He says, that which thou puttest on me, I will bear. And the king of Assyria appointed unto Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. Now you say, what is that saying, preacher? Here's what it's saying. Here's what, here's what Hezekiah says to the king of Assyria. He said, whatever I need to pay you, I'll pay you. Please just stop. In other words, let me buy you off. Does that sound like our government? <laughs> That's a whole other message of another day. Amen? What did the king of Assyria respond? With an extraordinary amount in which he required of Hezekiah. But yet at the same time, with this, it almost was, if you will, a, a, a way in which it, uh, the king of Assyria has realized now the weakness of King Hezekiah. And even though he gives this extraordinary amount in which Hezekiah has got to come up with, he never intended to stop. I want to tell you something, okay? You cannot negotiate with the enemy. And you cannot negotiate with your flesh. The Bible says our enemy is the father of lies. And your flesh is deceptive as he is. But see, here's what Hezekiah did. He tried to align himself through his flesh with the enemy that's come against him. And this was his plan. I'll just pay you off. How many agree sometimes when you get deceived, you do things you would never, ever think about doing? Watch what Hezekiah did. So the king of Assyria comes back and says, all right, here's what I require of you for me to stop. Silver, gold. Where's Hezekiah going to get this stuff? Watch what he did. Watch what it says in verse 15. Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasures of the king's house. Now watch this, verse 16. You remember what Ahaz, his father, did? Nailed the doors of the temple shut. You remember the first thing they did? Repaired the doors. Y'all remember that? Say amen. Watch this. And at that time did Hezekiah cut off the gold from the door of the temple of the Lord and from the pillars which Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid and gave it to the king of Syria. In other words, he had, God had brought all this about, bringing back all the worship of the temple. Hezekiah, God used to allow, to, to get the temple back to a place as God designed it to be, that they could worship God. And yet in a moment of 
flesh, in a moment of weakness, in a moment of panic. Here's what Hezekiah said. we got to do something about this. we got to figure out something. Hey, let's get the finance committee together. Hey, let's get the personnel committee together. Y'all say amen. Y'all going to love me anyway. You got to. Say amen. And they derived a plan. And Hezekiah went out and pulled the gold off the doors and pulled the gold off the, off the post that they had just restored and gave it to the king of Assyria. Can I tell you where your flesh will lead you? In a place you never want to go. Amen? I mean, this is what's going on. What you say, well, preacher, it can't get no worse than that. Oh, it does. Because you see, that's the sinful pilfering of the king. And now Hezekiah has backed himself in a corner. The king of Assyria has all this gold, all this silver, still has many of these spent cities around Jerusalem. The king of Assyria now sees Hezekiah. Remember what I said this morning, what took place as an aftermath of taking the Passover. God restored the testimony of Israel. And guess what? In one stroke of flesh, the enemy against Israel now does not see Israel as strong, does not see Israel as mighty in God. They now see Israel as weak, vulnerable, easy to take see that's the saddest part of it all now so you say preacher so what took place to change all this we'll go back to second chronicles chapter 32 and i'll show you now we pick up the story in verse 2 because all that happened after verse 1 But here's the glory of it all. When you do step out in the flesh, and God allows you to journey down that road, and you find out how futile it is. Can I tell you one of the glorious things about the grace of God? Is eventually he'll get you to the place of realizing, wait a minute. I don't need all this. Lord, all I need is you. Can I tell you, that's what God did for Hezekiah. Now, here's the thing. We don't have the details of his repentance in Scripture. But we know it took place because of what's going to take place in verse 2 through verse number 8. Because everything about Hezekiah, his mindset towards these attacks, his, his, his heart towards the people about these attacks, everything changes in Hezekiah's life. And something took place. I believe he just got to the place as he, he gave everything over to the king of Assyria. He realized the king of Assyria wasn't going to stop, was still going to take Jerusalem. And Hezekiah finally said, wait a minute, I've messed up. God, would you please forgive me? Now, I don't know if it happened like that, but... Something happened. Because watch what takes place here. 
What takes place is we go from a place where you find the attack of the forces and the allegiance of the flesh, and then you come to the place of the activity of fornication. Look what it says here in verse 2 of chapter 32. And when Hezekiah saw Shinnabrib was come, that he was purposed to fight against Jerusalem. In other words, he's already taken these other cities. He's already tried to make a deal with him. And now all of a sudden, the king of Assyria said, I'm not going to stop. And now he sees, hey, wait a minute. He didn't keep his word. He lied to me. And now he's coming against Jerusalem. And when that happened, Hezekiah came to himself. He took counsel with his princes and his mighty men to stop the waters of fountains that were without the city. And they did help him. And so there was gathered much people together and stopped all the fountains and the brook that ran through the midst of the land, saying, why should the king of Assyria come? and find much water. So what did King of Hezekiah do? Well, he began to put into place the activity of fortification. And the first thing he do, did is the water was stopped. How many agree, if you're going to besiege a city, and you're going to invade that city, you've got to have water to live. And so Hezekiah said, hey, we're just going to make it. If they're going to take this city, if they're going to overrun us, if they're going to truly overrun us, we're going to make sure that it's not going to be worth it for them. But notice the second thing, and this is where I I pray that it will help you. Not only was the water stopped, but the walls were strengthened. Watch what it says in verse number 5. Also he strengthened himself and built up all the wall that was broken and raised it up to the towers and another wall without and repaired Milo in the city of David. And you say, what's Milo? It was a certain part of the inner city of Jerusalem. So in other words, he repaired the walls around Jerusalem and then just in case they, fort- they came through those, he, said he built walls around the center part of Jerusalem where they could be protected. Now you say, why is that important to me and you? His walls were physical. Our walls are spiritual. Notice what it says. He strengthened himself, then he strengthened the walls. So it's true. Attacks are going to come. That's just reality. You might as well just bank on that. But here's what can be a help to you. If you fortify the walls of your spiritual walk and your spiritual life, you find out the Lord's your protector in it. You say, how do I fortify the walls? You strengthen yourself in the Lord and in his word. A lot of times what happens, folks, is when tykes come, Because we have not been given ourselves moment by moment, day by day to the Word of God, when attacks come, we find ourselves in the flesh just completely abandoning the Word of God. When it should have drawn you closer to the Word, it tends to push you away. And so can I tell you something, Liberty, as a church family? And can I tell you something as individuals? Let God prepare your walls that when the attacks come, if they've not already come, you'll be ready 
to stand faithful in the midst of the attack. Because I promise you, Liberty, what all we've seen God do here, it's coming. Are y'all with me? It's coming. But our strengthening of ourselves in the Lord and allowing Him to strengthen us in the Word is what's going to allow you not to walk down the path Hezekiah walked down. Because wouldn't it have been a great, great passage if all we had was 2 Chronicles 32 and we didn't have 2 Kings chapter 18? But it's okay if you do step out in the flesh. It's not okay, but what I mean by that, God's still got to work and got a plan. Are you with me? And this is what's so amazing about this passage to me. Well, there was a, a third thing that took place. The warriors were selected. So he stopped the water, he strengthened the walls, and the warriors were selected. Notice what it says. It says, and after he repaired the Milo in the city of David, and he made darts and shields in abundance and, let, and set captains of war over the people and gathered them together to him in the street and at the gate of the city and spake comfortably unto them, saying. So what did he do? Well, he armed them. See, there's twofold side of the word of God. Number one, the one side is it prepares you for battle. The other side, it's your only weapon in battle. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. When the Lord Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, what did he use? The Word of God. So you give yourself to the Word not only to get your walls fortified, but that you have the right weaponry when you're being attacked. You know something I found in my life? There's something I studied a long time ago. Maybe weeks ago, maybe months ago, even a few occasions years ago. And something happens in my life, and the Spirit of God, who is your reminder, brings that truth back to your heart right when you need it. That's your weapon. Sometimes somebody texts you with a word. And God uses it in your life. See, he selected the warriors and armed them accordingly. And then he preached to them. See, you can't have anything without preaching. Y'all say amen. Watch what it says, the assurance of faith. Look what it says in verse 6. And he spake comfortably unto them. The word comfort is translated in the Hebrew four times as comfort, but over 500 times as heart. So what did Hezekiah do? 
Well, he's had a heart change. And now he speaks to him from the heart. See, now Hezekiah is not walking in the flesh. Now Hezekiah is beginning to realize what faith is. And it's not what he does, but what God does that really matters. And so he gets his warriors together, and he gets them together with the people, and he says, now, guys, he said, listen. He said, I just want to share my heart with you. And he just begins to pour his heart out to them. And he gives them the report of faith. You say, what do you mean the report of faith? Because watch what he says here. It's so, so gracious. It says, be strong and courageous. Be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria, nor for the multitude that is with him. For there is no more with us than with him. What do you say? Did he sweep it under the rug and say, well, listen, guys, you just need to understand. We got more people than they do, so all we got to do is mobilize, set our, set, uh, pull our belts up, dedicate ourselves, and we can go out and fight them and we can beat them. No, that's not what he said at all. He, he, had, he confessed, listen, they're more than we are in number. But we have someone with us that they don't have. And so it don't matter how many they've got. What matters is, are we going to trust God? Are we going to trust Him? Be courageous. Be courageous. You say, well, there's preacher, there's things come up in my life. I just don't feel very courageous. Well, I promise you, you and me both, in and of ourselves, you won't be. But if you're resting in Him... You will be. Because your courage won't derive from what you can do. Your courage won't derive from what you think. Or your courage won't derive from the scheme that you come up with to get you out of the circumstance. Your courage will derive from him who is sovereign, who is sufficient, and who is always, always on time. Be strong. Be courageous. For the number that's with them, oh, there are many. But they don't have what we have. If God can be for you, who can be what? Isn't that a good truth? So you see the report of faith. You see the reality of faith. That when God's on our side, we have more than enough. Look at verse 8. It says, with him, being the king of Assyria, is the arm of flesh. How many agree? If anybody knows what it means now to walk in the flesh, Hezekiah knows. In other words, Hezekiah knows. I, I know what it's like to walk in the flesh. Look what it got me. He said, but with us is the Lord our God to help us. And to fight our battles. Can I encourage you with a word? There's not one attack you'll ever go through. That God tells you to fight it for him. Because God knows you can't. But when you come to the place as Hezekiah has come to with much scars, 
and realizing the futility of your flesh and realizing, wait a minute, I'm not like them. All the king of Assyria has is the arm of his flesh, his might, his power, his physical, but yet we have the Lord God and he will fight our battles for us. That's when you can rest. You say, preacher, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't have to, God's enough. Preacher, you don't know how hard it is. I don't have to know how hard it is because God knows. And it's just simply this. Is God enough for you in that or is he not? You say, well, preacher, my flesh gets in the way. So does it with me. Anybody says, well, I never, ever battle with my flesh. You're lying. We all do. But the great thing about the grace of God is he lets you see the futility of your flesh so you can always come back to rest in him. Just like he did with Hezekiah. Well, let me show you the last thing and I'm done. Notice the rest of faith. And the people rested themselves. Watch this. Upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Now, I'm not very smart. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm not very smart. But if I'm the children of Israel and I'm, and I'm walking in the flesh and I see my king go and pilfer all the gold and all the silver out of the temple, I'm not sure I'd be very quick to give my ear to him. So why did they? Because in somewhere along the line, they saw that Hezekiah knew he missed it. And he repented of it. And when Hezekiah told him, listen, our God will fight our battles for us. What did the people say? Well, if you believe that, you wouldn't have went and pilfered the temple. They must have been Baptists. Y'all say amen. <laughs> no, that's not what they said. What'd they say? Yes. 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 And they rested. In what? The words of Hezekiah. You say, well, we shouldn't rest in the words of man. Oh, listen. They were the words of God spoken through Hezekiah. And they rested. So here it is. Is God doing a work in your life? I pray he is. But understand, there's going to be attacks that come your way. But if you're willing, like Hezekiah, to realize the futility of your flesh, that you can't get yourself out of these situations, and you're willing to come to the place through the word of God of strengthening the spiritual walls of your life and, and allowing him to equip you with the weapons of the word. And you're willing to just rest. Here's what you're going to find. God 
will always show himself mighty in your circumstances. And folks, if I didn't believe that, I'd close my Bible, I'd walk out that door, and I'd never come back. But God's proved himself over and over and over and over and over and over again that what he says, he'll do. So rest. You stand. You obey God. Now, he might not do it the way you think he ought to do it. Y'all say amen. But he's enough for your circumstance. You obey God. You may just need to come and get along with God, but you obey him.